Seated. Okay, pop quiz. How many of you remember the pop quizzes from school? How many of you like the pop quizzes from school? No, nobody. Uh, I didn't like it either, but I don't mind doing it to you. So, pop quiz. Uh, are you guys ready? So, what is our mission? I, I, I heard over here softly. To make disciples. How, how do we say that? Uh, do you guys remember? This is like a couple of, of uh, series ago. I, I heard it over here. Lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. What else? That was a trick question. <laughs> there is nothing else. Now, now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but we do a lot more. We, we do a lot in, in the life of our church, and we do. But our mission is not to provide a safe environment for our kids. I know, the parents, hang on with me, don't leave yet. Our mission is not to provide an exciting Bible study for our students. Our mission is not to equip our adults in Bible study. You're like, man, I came to the wrong church. No, we do all those things. We provide a safe environment for our children. We, we, we provide uh, exciting Bible study for our students. We, we provide equipping Bible studies uh, for our adults. And we do other things. We, we do a whole lot in life for our church. But all of those things support our mission, which is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's easy, though, in the midst of life to kind of forget that, isn't it? Um, how many of you were busy last week? Just so you know, I, I took mental note of everyone who didn't raise their hand, and next week will be different for you. We, we get caught up in life. In life, it, we can get so busy that, that just doing the stuff we have to do. How many of you, how many of you thought you were done with, with um, fires in the wood-burning stove? Anyone? Surprise. <laughs> how many of you know there's a chance of snow tonight? I just ruined some of your days, didn't I? The good thing about snow this time of year is we usually don't get a lot, and it normally doesn't last long. Notice that I hedged my bets. I said usually and normally. But it's easy for us to just get, get caught up in the stuff of life, and, and there are things we have to do. Every now and then, you have to eat. For some of you, you have to sleep. Um, for, for some of us to have food to eat and a place to sleep, we have to work, right? There's some things we have to do in life. It's that way in the ministry, in the life of the church. There's some things that we have to do, but those things support the mission. The mission is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus, to make disciples. I think, I think Paul wanted to make sure that Timothy remembered what his mission was. As he's writing this letter to Timothy, we're in 2 Timothy chapter 2 today. You can go ahead and turn there if you want. Or thumb there in your, your, your device. By the way, in case you didn't know, uh, we're, we're on, we, we have an app. Actually, it's a version app. And you can go there. I'm doing it now, so I won't forget. I don't see anybody else doing that. Maybe you did it already. And you can go to, to events. I should have checked it before I told you this. And we're there. We're right there. See, I'm going to click that. And there's the notes. Did you know that? Right? Watch this. 
Now, by the way, the answers are in the notes. I can't do fill in the blank on the app. Um, so you still need to listen. But, but if you scroll all the way past that, look at that. You know what that is? Those are announcements. Here's one. Men's Bible study. We're starting an evening Bible study Tuesday night, 6 o'clock. See, if you didn't know that, you would have if you'd looked on here. Also, uh, for the community Lenten lunches, on April the 10th is our turn, and so we need to provide six soups. You catch that? And, and then, this Friday, we're taking how many kids? 35,000 kids. 35 kids to Young Lives Ablaze in Albuquerque. You can pray for the sponsors. Pray for the kids. You see what I did there? I just snuck in three announcements while I was telling you about the app. I didn't think that was funny. I think Paul wanted to remind Timothy that, that what it is he's there for, what his mission is, because it's easy just dealing with the stuff of life to kind of forget. If we're not careful, then, then we think that, that just living is our purpose here. And, and it's not. If God just wanted us to live, man, he would go ahead and take us home once we come to faith in Christ, Right? But our mission is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And, and so I think Paul was writing to Timothy, and, and part of what he wanted to do was remind Timothy of why he's there. And so we're going to hit one of my favorite passages. I have lots of those. You guys probably hear me say that a lot. But one of my favorite passage, passages, and it's 2 Timothy 2.2. That's easy to remember, isn't it? 2 Timothy 2.2. But let me, let me read the passage for you, and then we're going to dig into this a little bit. Paul says, so then my child, or you then my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share in the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory, and then I'm going to stop there. Because the next cup, the next three uh, verses, we, we need to, to flesh out a bit more next week. Paul's writing to Timothy. And, and Paul is reminding Timothy of why he's there. And, and so for, for us, I want to put it in, in the realm of effective ministry. I, I think what Paul is, is reminding Timothy is, Timothy... You need to remember this if you're going to be effective in what it is that God has called you to do. And the first one is this, that effective ministry has a clear goal. Maybe you've heard this saying before, that if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Right? That's why it's really fun. How many of you, how many of you have a bow, a compound bow that you shoot? Anybody? If you don't, JW can, can set you up with one. Um, 
Uh, I don't know if they let you bring your own bow in there to tune. Is that they, they they do everything over at the Cloudcroft Archery? I don't I don't make any money from that or anything. I just. But but here's what's really fun to do, guys. I, I don't know. You know, you, you go out. We have those 3D targets. In fact, we're going to do that at our our family uh, church family camp out that we're going to do in July. Uh, take the 3D targets and and take our, our bows because that's always fun. And, and so what, what's really great is is you don't tell people what you're shooting at. You pull back, and you shoot, and it hits, and you go, got it. <laughs> but if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And, and so in order to have an effective ministry, it has to have a clear go. Here's what Paul says in verse 2. Paul says, Timothy, and what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. By the way... This is just the toy that comes with a Happy Meal. This is a good model for discipleship. I, I know that, that there was a, a push at least for a while where we did one-on-one discipleship. Paul, what he's talking about here is, Timothy, you get with a group of guys and you teach a group of guys the same way that you are taught. He said, you heard it from me in the presence of many faithful witnesses. When when Paul taught Timothy, I'm sure there were some times that they were alone, but, but oftentimes there were a lot of people around. There were other men around, and Paul taught them. And he says, what you've heard from me, then you teach to other faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul said, Timothy, don't forget, you, you have a clear goal in ministry. You teach them what I've taught you, and you teach them in such a way that they can teach others. We call that leading people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. By the, by the end of today, you'll have that down, won't you? Effective ministry has a clear goal. Have you ever, have you ever had a job or, or, or a task and you weren't really quite sure what the point of it was? I, I remember in algebra, in ninth grade, I took algebra. And, and I love math. I've always loved math. But, but I, I thought, why... What does this have to do with anything? Who cares what X is, right? My, my answer was always why. <laughs> and then I hit geometry. And you know what? A squared plus B squared equals C squared will help you figure out one side of a triangle if you've got the other two sides. And I found out that there was actually a point to this. There, there was some usefulness in this. And when I was in construction, I used geometry all the time to, to, to figure out the square footage of a roof. It's a roof if you're from Texas, but the, the roof. Um, I found out just a few years ago that, that Wolf has an L. Um, we were in a melodrama called Big Bad, and I kept saying, the wolf, the wolf. Anyways. Effective ministry has a clear goal. In the, the, the months ahead, we're, we're going to evaluate our ministries. We're going to reset our ministries. We talked about that in the last series. And, and one of the things that I really want to do is to make sure that we understand for each ministry the clear goal of what that is and how all of that goes together to support our mission, which is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Not only does 
effective ministry have a clear goal, it also has a narrow focus. Any of you guys get distracted? Yeah, right? I don't know if you guys know this, but there's a spotlight coming off of that windshield of that pickup right out there. Do you see that? <laughs> I, I was, we, we had a men's retreat, had a great time at the men's retreat, and we were kind of talking, I, I mentioned to somebody, um, I spend half of my time on any project looking for the thing that I just had in my hand. Has that ever happened to anybody? You set that down or you go somewhere. How many of you have ever tried to clean out your closet? I don't need that shirt. Well, I don't know. Let's see if it still fits. <laughs> hey, that still fits. And so it sits in a closet for another two years. Or boxes. You're cleaning out your shed. You ever do that? There's a box you haven't like opened in a while. I want to see what's in there. You open it. Oh, man, that's cool. I forgot that I had this. So you spend the day going through boxes, looking at photos, playing with gadgets, trying on clothes, and your shed and your closet don't get cleaned out. That can happen to us in ministry. If we're not careful, ministry can, can grow. There's, there's a, a term that we use in construction called scope creep. Um, John probably never has to deal with this. Um, we, we want you to replace the siding on our house. So he gives them a bid for the siding. While they're doing that, oh, hey, you know what? What, what would it cost to replace the windows? So, so you, you start working on the windows. Man, with those new windows, that roof's looking really bad. Right? John, that's called job security. But, <laughs> but if you're not careful, by the time you get to the end, you forgot what it was that you started out with. So, so effective ministry has to have a narrow focus. Uh, Paul in here gives us really three examples. Here's what he says, first of all. It's the example of the soldier. He says in verse 3, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier, here's what he means by that, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Now, I know our military has changed a lot over the years, but, but imagine this. You're in the military, you're in a battle, you're you're in a war, and your commander tells you, okay, I want you to go around to this side and flank the enemy. You say, well, I I can't do that. I have to empty the litter box. Right? Oh, you know, man, I would, but, you know, I've got this thing that I have to go to. Yeah, I I would do that. I've got to take the dog out, right? (laughs) Or... I got to do that, but I started this project on a house that started with the siding. Now we got to do the roof. Paul's saying, look, we know this. We know this in other areas of life that you have to have a narrow focus. If you have a soldier, he cannot be entangled in the affairs of life to the point that he can't go and do what he's been enlisted to do. He gives another example. The other example is the athlete. He said, here's how this plays out in the life of an athlete. The athlete isn't crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Did you guys know that there are rules in sports? (laughs) Not all of you shook your head. You knew that, right? I I ran track, and you can get disqualified. And I know this is weird. You're just running from one point to another, right? 
you can get disqualified in track if you cross into the other guy's lane. Did you know that? If you didn't, you try it sometime. I'm too old to do that now. But Paul says, even in sports, they, they have to have a narrow focus. They have to operate within boundaries. In, in fact, he uses the sports metaphor a lot. He must have been a sports fan or, or must have been involved in sports as a young man. But he says when, when they compete, they compete to win a goal. There, there's a goal in there, and, and, and their focus is toward that goal. And then he gives us the, the, the example of the farmer. Now, I, I grew up in the city, but my dad grew up in the country. Somehow we ended up feeding out a steer. This is in Euless, which, by the way, is right next to Dallas Fort Airport. We, we fed out a steer. We raised some pigs, not in our backyard, but we did have um, Barbary sheep. Uh, in our backyard (laughs) my dad planted a garden Um, he learned that if you plant the banana peppers too close to the jalapeno peppers and they cross pollinate it's like russian roulette with um, peppers (laughs) didn't know that i want to try that with tomatoes wouldn't it be cool to have spicy tomatoes that'd be awesome wouldn't even have to you have your salsa right there here's here's some things that, that i learned about farmers Farmers have to depend on God a whole lot. I, I was talking with some of these guys who, who are cotton farmers and they do dry farming. That means they don't irrigate. <laughs> I bet those guys pray a lot because it has to rain at the right time and then it has to not rain at the right time. Then it has to rain at the right time again, then not rain at the right time. And then you've got this little window where it needs to rain and not rain so that you can harvest. I'd be praying a whole lot. Here's what he says about the farmer. It's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. You, you see that the farmer, the farmer has to know what he's doing and the farmer has to be, be focused on what that is. I, I, I can't imagine if, if a farmer got busy doing other things at the time of the harvest, he loses his crop. If the farmer's not ready to plant, especially when you're talking about dry cotton farming, I can't imagine that. If he's not ready to plant right after that crucial rain, then he, he's not going to have much of a crop. Effective ministry takes a narrow focus. We, we, we need to learn, and this is hard in the life of the church, but we need to learn that there are just some things you have to say no to. Right? Some of you are like, I'm still learning that in life. We, we need to teach our kids that. Dad, can I? No. <laughs> My dad used to do that to me a lot. You're like, you don't even know what I want to do. We need to learn that we, we can't do everything. You can't do everything in life. You can't buy everything. We, we have limited resources. As a church, we need to learn how to narrow our focus to make sure that everything we do supports our mission. I know churches that have a a car repair ministry. It's mainly for for single moms who who can't afford just the the, the regular kind of maintenance stuff for the cars and and simple. They won't like overhaul an engine or anything. But, But they bring them in. That they have hundreds of volunteers that, that are, are they're bringing in cars, they're changing oil, they're checking the fluids, they're doing all these other things. That's amazing. What an awesome opportunity that that gives them for ministry. 
that's not for us here. There, there are churches that have amazing feeding ministries. Uh, one of our friends is children's ministry in Bloomfield, and that church feeds, I don't know how many hundreds, like every Tuesday night. That is cool. But, but we might have to say no to that here. Effective ministry has a narrow focus. It has a, a clear goal, but it also has a narrow focus to make sure that you're always pointed toward that goal. And then finally, some of you are like, already? Don't worry. Yeah. You got, are y'all with me today? Are you? Okay, I just want, just want to make sure that uh, spotlight's still coming off of that truck out there. Finally, effective ministry has an unwavering perseverance. You ever just get tired? You ever just want to give up? How many of you, have you ever been burned out in ministry? <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, right now. <laughs> Effective ministry has an unwavering perseverance. I love the way that, that Paul kind of starts tying this together for Timothy. He says, think over what I say for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. I, I, I think probably every teacher ought to say that at some point. You're not going to understand this now. <laughs> but, but later on, particularly Bible, when, you, when you're teaching God's word, later on the Holy Spirit will give you understanding. Paul, Paul wants to make sure that Timothy understands some things. He says, remembering Jesus Christ risen from the dead the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Paul says, Timothy, see, I've got to look at my notes here because I didn't add this in my... Paul says, Timothy, you don't need to forget the what. Here's the what of effective ministry. Are you ready, Timothy? It's the message. Don't, don't ever forget, in, in everything else you do, make sure you have a clear goal, make sure you have a narrow focus, but Timothy, you, you have to stick with the message, and the message is this, that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Now we're getting ready to celebrate that. Um, we, we saw a little video on the men's retreat that, that was kind of funny. He says, we can only call it Good Friday because we know what happened on Sunday. On Friday, they weren't calling it Good Friday. You see, the, the resurrection, the empty tomb changes everything for us. Paul says, Timothy, don't forget the message. The message is that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And, and this little part where he talks about the offspring of, of David is really talking about the fulfillment of the promises of God for the Messiah. All of God's promises converged on Christ on the cross for us. And it was realized in the resurrection. Paul says, Timothy, you stick with that unwavering perseverance. Remember the what is the message. And then Paul launches into something that, that seems a little bit weird. He says in, in verse 9, for, for which I am suffering, that is the gospel, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God isn't bound. Paul says, Timothy, don't, 
Don't forget the what, which is the message. But also, don't forget the how. Timothy, you do this in life. Paul says, look, I'm in chains because of the gospel, but that doesn't stop me because the gospel isn't bound. God's word isn't bound. Timothy, in life, wherever you are, you stick with it. Unwavering. I'm too busy within get less busy. But I, I, I'm not a pastor. I'm a mechanic in your life. You have effective ministry. Wherever you are, whatever it is you're doing, God has put you here for a purpose. Your mission is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And it doesn't stop because your, your job changes. It doesn't stop because you move to a new place. It doesn't stop because you retire. I'm too tired to retire. I'm still working on the tired part. <laughs> Talking to someone the other day who just, oh, I'm retired now. I said, so you got a lot of time? They said, no, on Tuesdays I do this, and on Wednesdays I don't know. <laughs> Unwavering perseverance. Effective ministry keeps going. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, remember, this is your mission. All these other things are just avenues for your mission. And then finally, the why. And this is particularly important when you, when you feel like you're ready to give up. I, I, tell, I tell guys all the time that says, I, I believe God's calling me to be a pastor. I steal it from the Bible because if you steal from the Bible, you can't go wrong. You need to be secure in your calling. Because there are times where that's all you got. Why are you here? Because God called me here. Here's the why. It's the reward. Now, now I know for, for us, the reward of our salvation is heaven. Paul gets to that a little bit. We'll handle that next week. But here's what Paul said. Paul said, therefore, th this is the because, Timothy, this is the why, Therefore, I endure everything. Now, remember who writes this. This is Paul. This is Paul that they beat him, they drug him out of town, they stoned him. The only reason they quit is because they thought he was already dead and they walked away and Paul got up and left. This is Paul that, that is in prison for his faith. Now, now, you know, I, I've heard this, you probably heard this too, that, well, at least in prison you get three square meals a day, right? Not then. If someone else didn't feed you, you didn't eat. It might be like that in Mexico. I'm not anxious to find out. <laughs> Paul says, therefore, I endure everything. Why? For the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation of, 
that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul says, what's the reward? (laughs) Timothy, why would we do this? Why would we commit our lives to this? Why would we arrange everything else around this mission? So that some will come to faith in Jesus Christ and obtain an eternal salvation. There are times when ministry is, is just hard. I'm not talking about my vocational ministry. I'm talking about for all of us. I, I guarantee you, every time we plan something, it ends up being the worst time that I could have ever planned that. <laughs> You're thinking, oh man, I really need to split some wood this weekend. I thought winter was over. Actually, I didn't. My daughter thought winter was over. <laughs> Man, I've got so much, so many other things to do. Golly. I, I cannot tell you how many times. Wednesday is our big ministry day, by the way. About 70 kids in Kids Club from 3.30 to 5.30. And then we have about 40, 30 to 40 youth um, starting at around 6. I cannot tell you how many times I wake up with a headache on Wednesday. Maybe it's thinking about what's ahead. (laughs) I think more often it's just the attack from the enemy. Like, man, of all days to get a headache. (laughs) But the why... It's the reward. Would you suffer through a day of excruciating pain so that someone could come to faith in Christ? If you knew that was going to happen, you would. Would you put up? I want to be careful. I love love everything that God has called me to do right now. Uh, in kids club, God has called me to teach the second graders, <clears throat> right? Uh-huh, yeah, Katie, Katie helps, and we have some youth helpers that jump in there too. That is, with a few exceptions, the rowdiest bunch of second graders I've ever come across. I've I've never seen a group of kids... With so now usually you have a few and you you work with I mean that just happens you know that's just just the way it is somehow that all but about four have two and a half second attention spans <laughs> if I had hair when I started teaching that I wouldn't have any now and it it's tiring isn't it Ashlyn helps with us we Max helps in there. It takes four of us. We had to separate them. If you get more than four of those kids together, you can't handle them. Why, why do we do that? Because we're sadists. We just like punishment. <laughs> because one of those kids might come to faith in Christ. 
And that's worth going bald. (laughs) That's worth getting a headache. That's worth having to count the ten. I'm not talking about them. I mean me. (laughs) That's worth it. Effective ministry requires an unwavering perseverance. We would love... We would love it if it happened this way. If every person we shared the gospel with immediately fell their knees and got saved. Wouldn't that be cool? Like the first time. I tell you what, it would be really awesome. What would be amazing is if we went to them and, and just said Jesus and they just fell down and got saved. Wouldn't that be great? But that's not the way it works. You remember what Paul said about the farmer? <laughs> If he sticks to it, if he works hard, it's the hard work in a farmer that gets to join in first. And you plant, and you cultivate, and you water, and you pray that God causes the growth. And if it doesn't happen this season, you don't give up. You start working for next season. I don't know a whole lot about farming, but I know it takes a whole lot sometimes in sharing the gospel with somebody. And listen, that's our mission. To lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to make sure that we never forget that's the mission. Effective ministry has a clear goal. And there are times when we have personally and as a church have so many opportunities to do things, we need to remember that effective ministry has a narrow focus. We, we need to stick to the things we have to do that support the mission. Sometimes that means saying no to stuff. You want to drive me nuts? I, I'm just telling you, I shouldn't, shouldn't do this. You want to drive me nuts? Right before I'm, I'm getting ready to do some ministry, ask me if I want to go have coffee. <laughs> hey, I know Kids Club starts in 30 minutes. You want, to, you want to go down to Starbucks with me? As hard as that is, I'm going to have to say no. Hey, We're going to start a Bible study at Starbucks on Tuesday nights at 6 o'clock. You want to go? I just announced the men's Bible study. We're starting here at 6 o'clock, right? Tuesdays. No. Effective ministry has a narrow focus. And finally, effective ministry has an unwavering perseverance. Listen, I know, I know we get tired. I know we get frustrated. I know sometimes we, we just physically struggle. By the way, that helps if you build some margin into your life so you have time to recharge. I, I love what Nehemiah said. Fun study. We'll, we'll hit that book again someday. He knows that God has called him to build a wall around Jerusalem and And he's doing that, and God has provided in amazing ways. The very kingdom that destroyed the walls 
is the one who's paying for the walls to be built. That's cool how God does that. And Sanballat and Tobiah, Tobias, send a letter to Nehemiah. They say, hey, Nehemiah, we want to talk with you. Come down to the Valley of Ono. By the way, when your enemies invite you to come to the Valley of Ono to come and talk with them, don't go. I love the Bible, but it's just so much fun. Come down to Oh No. <laughs> We've got a surprise for you. Nehemiah said something that, that's amazing. I love it. He says, I am doing a good work, and I cannot come down. What he's saying is, this is what God has called me to do, and I'm going to keep doing it. I'm not going to be distracted and go down. Unwavering, un, unwavering perseverance. I want to challenge you today with this. No, we don't have a sign up for ministry today, but be sure that's coming. <laughs> I, I want to challenge you with this. To remember why it is you are here. I know we do a lot of other things. We have to work to eat. The Bible says that. We need a place to live. We have, we have things that we have to do. My, my best friend used to say ownership is maintenance. <laughs> um, got, got to keep the, the house from falling apart. Um, twice a year around here, we have to cut the grass. The, the, other, the other eight months of the year, we have to uh, clear the rocks. But that's not why we're here. You see, why we're here is because we have a mission. And that's to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Let me encourage you to, to be clear in your goal. Let me encourage you as you examine the, the, the things of life that, that, that you're involved in, let me, let me challenge you to have a narrow focus. And then for some of you who are just ready to throw your hands up, let me encourage you to have an unwavering perseverance because, because of the why. And that is so that some would come to faith in Christ. Let's pray. Father, I, this morning, I just ask that your Holy Spirit speak to us. Lord, I know, I know it's so easy for the stuff of this world to, to tug at my heart and to pull and to get my attention in, in other areas. I know that sometimes I, I can get so busy doing the peripheral things that, God, I'm just too tired to do the main thing. Or maybe I'm too distracted. Father, I pray this morning that you'd remind us of why we're here. And that's so that we can lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. As Paul reminded Timothy, Timothy, the things that you've heard from me in the presence of all these witnesses, you teach the faithful men who can teach others also. 
God, I pray that you would remind us that we're here to make disciples. And Lord, I ask that, that God, you would help us to evaluate the things we do in, in light of that mission. And Father, I know that sometimes when we do that, that means we, we have to say no to some new stuff. Sometimes we have to say no to stuff we're already doing so that we can do the main thing. And then, Lord, I know that there are some that are here today that are just tired. Some that, that, that the, the thought of, of, of ministering just, just wears them out. Lord, I just pray that you would encourage them heart, encourage their hearts to remind them, Lord, the reason that we're doing this is so that people can come to faith in Christ. It's not a program, it's not an event, it's not an activity. It's about their eternity. So, Father, I pray that you would encourage us to keep on, to be the farmer that plows and plants and cultivates and waters and weeds praying for the day when we can reap the harvest and the lives of those around us in jesus name we pray amen